Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I am Alan Moore and this is Gaelic Games Europe's weekly podcast, This Sunday's Game. Welcome to the show today and of course we should be looking back on a great All-Ireland Hurling final, looking forward to a great All-Ireland football final, but it wasn't to be thanks to COVID. And we're lucky to have any games at all because remember just a couple of weeks ago there were a number of Fianna ministers calling for matches in Leash, Offaly and Kildare to be cancelled. With the week that's been in it with a golf outing causing all sorts of ruckus including a recall of the government, there's a lot to be spoken about. Now we're going to go to Switzerland and speak with Zurich's John White. He, of course, is the secretary for GGE and he's responsible for making sure that we all get registered on time. Now, we're going to speak with John about how things are in Switzerland, how training and matches are going, and of course, just what clubs need to do to stay registered. And we're going to ask him just what is his view on things back in Ireland in lovely Leash. But first, a bit of news. With Manny in the GAA world still reeling from the government's decision to play all games behind closed doors club and county, the inter-county championship of course has been put under threat. Now the Wexford hurling manager Dave Fitz, he says that there has to be a championship. He said that at the end of the day this virus could be here for a while. As I've said before, I'm one of these guys that has an underlying condition, but if you have to get on with life, what happens if we've no vaccine next year or the year after? What do we do? It's about being smart. He went on to say that, I think it'll give people something to watch instead of de- depriving young fellas of one year of their intercounty career. I know people say you should give it a miss for a year. I just don't agree with that. The GAA suffered more slings and arrows of outrageous fortune by questioning the government's logic. Now, of course, they want to have a meeting with the National Public Health Emergency Team this coming week. Of course, it was only on Tuesday last week that the government said that there will be no spectators allowed until the 13th of September at the earliest. Now, former Monaghan footballer, and of course, he is the chair of Crow Park's Medical Scientific and Welfare Committee, Dick Clerkin, he said that it was a reasonable request in light of what's going on at the minute to try and get some sort of clarity because it has such a massive impact. It's not a Crow Park thing, it's grassroots, it's parents, it's kids, it's society, it's having an impact on, and the members, the public, want clarity as much as anyone from Crow Park. Cork's Donald Cusack had a little bit more of an uneasy feeling. He said, I was a bit surprised to be honest, everybody realises that we're going through a pandemic. The GAA have been showing great leadership when it comes to how everybody is helping in society. All these restrictions that the GAA have put in place, the absolutely outstanding compliance. However, he did finish off by saying, I wasn't overly comfortable with it, to be honest. Obviously, the government are putting those regulations in place for a good reason. I even sensed it in my own club over the last while that people were losing interest in the virus. The virus certainly hasn't lost interest in us. And finally, a little later this evening, the UEFA Champions League final takes place. The All-Qatari showdown between Paris Saint-Germain and Bayern Munich. Of course, PSG are owned by Qatar and Bayern Munich are heavily sponsored by them. Next Sunday, we'll have the Women's UEFA Champions League final. And midweek, we will know who will be taking part. Because, of course, in the semi-finals, it's Wolfsburg against Barcelona and PSG against Lyon. Right, and we head off for some Alpine air and a chat with GGE Secretary John White. I'm delighted to welcome on to this Sunday's game for his long-awaited debut, 
John White. John, a very warm welcome and how are things in Zurich? Thank you very much indeed. Zurich, all back training, hurling, football, ladies, gaily football and camogie. That's great. Listen, the one thing is I've, I've really noticed in, in Zurich is it's improved in, in every way. I mean, you've got like four codes on the go. Uh, things are working well on social media. Um, do you think that there's, there's going to be an even bigger uptake of uh, Gaelic games in Zurich and say, you know, once, once things ease off we with COVID? Yeah, we would hope so. I mean, we're going in trying getting some members from the university and making more publicity about us. Uh, of course, it's a difficult year with uh, COVID-19, but hopefully it'll pick up again in 2021. Now, we're going to ask you about um, membership and registration so in just a moment, but I want to ask John, how hard um, was Zurich hit by covid Zurich was very, very hard hit by COVID, as was uh, all of Switzerland. I mean, we were shut down here for three months and uh, we had no training and uh, we only were allowed back to training in the uh, beginning of June. Oh, so, okay. So you're back relatively early speaking. Are there many restrictions, John? Because I've been reading and hearing about different colour codes and so on and so forth. What are the restrictions like in Zurich? Well, in Zurich, we've, we've no colour codes. There's no colour codes in Switzerland. Um, team is back training. Actually, all soccer teams are allowed to back training. And yeah, they're allowed to use all facilities, dress rooms, uh, toilets and showers. How about in terms of spectators? Because, of course, I, I mentioned uh, in the news at the top of the show about that, you know, it's behind closed doors in Ireland. Um, you know, are there, are there spectators allowed at, at uh, the Swiss matches? Uh, Swiss matches, there's a thousand spectators allowed at the moment. Uh, there's talks about moving that up uh, when the soccer season starts again uh, and the hockey season starts in October, possibly up to 3,000, maybe 5,000. Again, it's not like full capacity, but it, it does seem to make a bit of sense. Listen, we'll come back on that just in a wee bit about what's going on, especially at home, but I want to, uh, the, the main kind of um, crux of our chat today um, we, we had, of course, the issues in terms of like no games happening and so on for a long time. We couldn't really foresee what was going to happen. But we still have to go ahead with the administration side, um, for example, with registration of players and clubs. What's, what, what are the numbers like at the moment for clubs in Europe? And um, what, what do clubs need to sort of like move their backsides and get doing? Well, from about 80 to 90 clubs... Um about 30 clubs still have not registered their players. This is possibly due to the, the pandemic. Hopefully they'll register in the next couple of weeks. What would be the, the issues if they, if they don't have players registered, John? Well, every club has to register players. The cost uh, this year is only two euros per player and 20 euro per club. So uh, this money goes on to Crow Park. Possibly Crow Park will not charge us this year the two euros, so maybe we can give back this two euros to the clubs. Uh, but to be officially registered and uh, take part in convention and so on, uh, clubs need to register the players and pay their fees as well. How many players you need to have registered to be kind of officially reg uh, recognised, John? Yeah, here in Europe, uh, we require 11 members to be registered, members or players to be registered. Okay, so are they paying? Because there will be some clubs who would have an honorary present or, you know, kind of different levels of membership. Is that 11 paying members, John? Yeah, that's 11 full paid members. 11, okay, so it doesn't, it doesn't go for youth or anything like that. This is just senior adults. 
senior adults, yes. That's great. You, you do not have to pay here in Europe. Is there a difference in um, ladies, uh, the LGFA and GAA, is there a difference in, in, in cost? Actually, the two euros that we uh, take in for um, GA and uh, for Camogie, uh, that's Camo- uh, men's football, hurling and Camogie, that's two euros per player that we collect that directly in GGE, whereby the LGFA, uh, they require the two euros to be, to be paid directly to Crow Park. So will there be a bit of an issue then? I mean, if, if for example, um, you know, a club has registered only um, men's players? No, that's no issue. If a, a club has 11 uh, members registered, so that's quite fine with us. John, what are some of the, you know, just give us a bit of an insight because you, you're secretary now um, after, after moving up and it's, it's, a, it's, it's a tough role because, I mean, last year there were a fair few headaches with the World Games, I remember. Yeah, that, that uh, took a lot of planning uh, problems actually to deal with that with uh, all the teams involved. I think we had 27 teams, uh, 26, 27 teams involved, but it took a lot of coordination, but uh, in, the, in the end, everything went well. So we had a um, TLO, team liaison officer for every team. So we could deal with them directly and then they could deal directly then with their, uh, with their players. So at the end of the worked out well, the accommodation went well. And I think it was a quite a success for GGE actually. Was it tough for you because you were you were looking after all the coordination for accommodation between the TLOs and uh, War or well Waterford for example? Yeah, in the beginning it was uh, there was a lot of work to be done there, uh, but once we uh, got the accommodation numbers and what were available from Waterford, and then we coordinated with the teams uh, how many rooms and did they need, and in the end uh, it all worked out well. As you said, it was, it was a huge success for us. Tell us a wee bit. You're from Leash, of course. You can hear by the accent. You've been outside of Ireland for a fair while. What, what took you to Switzerland to begin with? Uh, first time I flew in my life, I flew from Dublin to Switzerland, and I'm still here, but I, <laughs> I moved a bit around the world in between. Um, actually, I used to work in the hotel business, and then I came to learn German in a place called Rallofsel, uh, at the Lake of Constance. And uh, I'm not too far away from there now, actually, probably an hour's drive. And I'm still here in Switzerland, uh, what I would say, you know, 24 years nonstop. How, how okay, while you're, you're, you're far away from home, how important has GAA been in your life? It's uh, a part of my life, definitely. I would definitely say that. Um, since I, my first played uh, under 12 at nine years of age, <laughs> I've been involved with the GAA. And what's, what's your club at home, John? Uh, it's the Heat in uh, County Leach. And, you know, how how difficult is it now? I mean, because you, you'd be, of course, I know you, you watch and follow GAA, you get home as well. Is it tough not being able to get home to take in a match or two? And is it tough, like, not being able to, you know, watch inter-county and, and, and so on? Yeah, it's very tough. Uh, I mean, uh, the moment we could just watch, actually, club games, which is good, uh, but you would really miss the inter-county, you know, beat senior, under-21 or uh, minor. And actually, my nephew, he's... Uh, a dual pair for Leash Miners and hopefully he, uh, he'll get to play in October and maybe I'll get home to see him. Depends on the quarantine situation as uh, flying in from Switzerland to Ireland at the moment, uh, you have to quarantine for uh, 14 days, I think. Oh. Finally, before we move on to, to, to other issues related to Ireland, how did you get involved with the GAA in Zurich? Well, actually, that goes back to uh, 2002. The club started, there was two local uh, lads who worked in a bank called Credit Suisse. 
uh, one of the lads who worked there was Gabriel Cosgrave from uh, from Wexford, and uh, these two Swiss lads have been had been in Ireland looking at uh, some hurling in. Uh, Croke Park and came back and uh, discussed it there. Uh, one of the lads' mothers worked with Gabriel Cosby, who's from Wexford uh, uh, in Credit Suisse. So that's how it basically started. So uh, Zurich started off as a, a hurling uh, club in 2002. And in 2008, Gaelic football started. And then in between that or after that, we also had ladies uh, football and Camogie started as well. So it started off pure and then got polluted by Gaelic football. <laughs> well there was more and more people wanted to play Gaelic football so we decided we'd give it a go as well the hurlers weren't too happy but uh, obviously uh, as the years go on the, I suppose the, the football is, is easier to take up for locals and hurling is I mean you need the helmet and the hurls a lot of technical skills involved in the hurling people would love to take up hurling but again it's the, the expense of equipment and the whole lot so and also the, the, the training so it makes you know it makes sense this is I mean we're, we're looking at Ireland now and no fans allowed into the into the grounds at all Clover County they're talking about maybe the county might not go ahead but fingers crossed that it will then we had this outbreak of um, let's say a very well an interesting outbreak of golf. You know, because of course golf was allowed and it's all right, but a few of the uh, people up in the doll headed off for a bit of a, a jolly up weekend. Do, do you think that maybe, you know, the GAA will have a bit of a grounds for manoeuvre now that they've sort of like a cut some of the people by their short and curlies? Well, I, I hope actually the GA finally we can have inter-county and uh, spectators to be allowed to watch matches. I mean, there's enough of big grounds around the country. And I think... Uh, the GA has, has to date with the clubs have done it in a very safe fashion and I think that that can continue. To the forefront of everything, I know they got an awful lot of um, criticism by asking questions and asking questions of the, the decision that was taken last Tuesday. But then again, it seemed fair enough. I mean, did you think it was odd that suddenly all grounds had to be closed completely? Yeah, I think that went overboard. I mean, we cannot forget here that the GA is in every parish in Ireland. And I think the mental health of the people um, has been forgotten about a bit here. I mean, there's been no games now for a long time. And for spectators, it's not the same watching on the TV. You know, they want to go to matches. They want to see their families, their children playing. It should be allowed. for safe supervision. I mean, it looked to be working well to a point, but... You know, then uh, we'll we'll sort of we'll leave that there because, of course, we're not politicians. Listen, John. Before we go away, um, what what do you want to remind the clubs? What do they need to do to get to get themselves all registered and up to date? Well, they have to register their at least their eleven uh, members or players, uh, be it on uh, GAA Management System Service Board or the LGFA uh, Management System Also Service Board. Or they also have to pay their fees. And uh, look, we'll be uh, hoping that we'll do that in the near future. That's great. Listen, John, thank you so much for your time and enjoy the rest of your Sunday in the beautiful Alpine air. Thank you very much. And same to you. As the final whistle blows on this episode of this Sunday's game, we'd like to thank John White for his time and also hope that all clubs get players registered as soon as possible. We'll be back, of course, next Sunday. So until then, take care of yourselves and each other. Thank you.